Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Tonight is, is I, I, you turn to Acts chapter 2 and I'm going to read a couple verses. Tonight you may not hear nothing new or that you've not never heard before. And, but I just feel like God is this past week as he's just been Something in my heart just been stirring. Acts 2 and 1, you know, we know the Bible and we know where I'm going. If, if you, most everyone here tonight can quote most of these scriptures. But I just feel like God is really pushed, leaning back here. To just, tonight my title is Revisiting Pentecost. Tonight Acts chapter 1, I mean Acts chapter 2 verse 1. The Bible says that when the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let us pray. Lord, I ask you right now to die. Lord, I ask you to touch this earthly vessel tonight. Lord Jesus, allow me, Lord Jesus, to be used by you tonight. Lord Jesus, to go this familiar text, Lord Jesus, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to allow me to say something. Lord Jesus, words that may not never be served, but Lord, let's, let's dig one more time, Lord Jesus, and, and that's a familiar story, Lord Jesus, and let's, let's gain something from this tonight, Lord Jesus. I ask you to touch us and anoint us tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The annual Jewish festival of Pentecost, or called First of Weeks, or the Festival of the Harvest, or Feast of the First Fruits, this feast took place 50 days after Passover, and this feast brought many people to Jerusalem from all over the countryside, even from distant nations. This brought a big crowd, because here they, this religious holiday, and Sometimes, you know, we refer to that as, you know, sometimes in our day, you know, we think about Christmas and we think about how, how publicized that's got. But sometimes, you know, we, but here this, here this brought a big crowd to Jerusalem. And it was just for this reason. But, you know, we know this, there's a crowd of people here for this festival. There's a crowd of people here for this feast and, and for this religious holiday is what they called. But, but we know that there was a, as it's stated in Acts chapter 1 and verse 15, that there were 120 men and women gathered. In the upper room. They were fasting. They were praying. They were waiting on the Lord to pour his spirit out on them as he had promised. You know, when Jesus left to ascended to heaven, he, he promised them. He says, go wait. And I will come back and I will pour my spirit out on you. This past Sunday, I was, in, and I, I know I share a lot of prison stories, but, but I go to prison a lot. I do get out, though. But this past Sunday, I was at prison in Madison, and 
And as we was, I was standing on the side of the platform, off, just off the side of the platform, and the guys of praise team, I have a, a really anointed praise team there. They're all inmates that, that lead in worship. They don't just sing to be heard. They lead in worship. They pray together before they start service. They pray for Holy Ghost. There's men, men that pray and fast every, day, every week for their, that service because they know when they come that that service is going to be a Pentecostal service. It's not going to be in any other service. It's going to be a Pentecostal service. And so they come to that service expecting God to move. But during that service, it was as they were singing, and, they was, and, and I, had not, I didn't even know what songs they were singing, but they started singing Wait on the Lord, some old songs. The gentleman that leads worship in that service, he actually has led worship in an apostolic church on the outside before he went to prison. But God is using him inside the prison. And he's leading worship. And as he was leading worship, he was leading worship and they were singing these old songs. They sing some new songs. They sing old songs. But he was singing this weight on the Lord. And just as they were singing that song, the Spirit of God fell in that, in that sanctuary. I started seeing men, grown men, men that had tattoos all over them. Tears start flowing down their face. There was nobody... No singing or nothing else, but it's just they were just singing. Wait on the Lord. When the God, when when you and the thing about that is when we start waiting on the Lord, God will re- respond to that. And and as in that service, God moved in that service, and I spoke, and it was not nothing elaborate. It was nothing thing like that, anything like that. But when I opened the altars, there were several men came to the altars, and they were weeping, repentance. They were weeping at the altars, and God poured out His Spirit upon some of them guys. And so some of them men, you know, God really moved in that service. And so when you begin to wait on the Lord, you know, sometimes in our life, you know, we want to have things like right now, and we want to have things put it, do in our will and our timing. But God says sometimes He says, just wait on me. Allow me to. Me to do the timing and allow me to put everything in place and allow me to get this right for you. So we must wait on the Lord. The scripture says that they were all in one accord and in one place. Matthew 18 and 20. You know, we talk about when we were all in one place. The Bible says in Matthew 18 and 20 says, For that where there where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I'll be in the midst of them. I've been to services before where there was just two or three. I've been to services where there was just two and three. And God showed up. God showed up is just as powerful as it has in any conference floor just with just a few. Because God says, His promise is, is when two or three gather in His name, He's going to be in their midst. And so tonight, sometimes, you know, we, go to, we come to service, we, sometimes we look around and see, well, there's just a few of us on Wednesday night. But when we show up in His name, He's going to show up and beat us here. When we gather together in the name of the Lord, God has promised He would be in our midst. But when we also, when we get in one accord, we take that to another step. Here, this, this group of men and women, had they, they were all in one place. And the Bible says they were praying and they were fasting. But I think when they got to in one accord, one mind, and they really was pressing for the same goal in life. We started; they started seeing different things happen. And so, sometimes in life, I feel like when we, if we would all get in one accord, we would start seeing the miraculous happen 
in our lives. We don't start seeing some of our prayers answered tonight. But when we all get a one accord, we will see things change. We'll see lives changed. On the day of Pentecost, there were several signs occurred along with this initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost. There was a sound of a mighty wind, the appearance of divided flames of fire, and speaking in languages other than the, what the believers had learned. When we look at these, these three things that happened that is listed here, with three of these things that happened, I've been to services before. I grew up around church. I've been around services before. When you've seen like a wind blow across the service, the Holy Ghost start moving over here. I can remember some times in service when I was a kid, and I'd be watching it. You know, as an adult, more I get more, I'm in more worshiping, or I'm supposed to be worshiping, right? But as a kid, I grew up in church, and I remember watching that happen. Someone go to shouting over here. Holy Ghost, get upon somebody over here. And before you know it, it just drifts across the building. Like, and then on the other side, from wall to wall, everybody be worshiping. And so that wind blew through that sanctuary. You know, but we see all these miraculous things happen. And these, each one of these things is miraculous. But all these have amounted to miraculous signs. But only speaking in tongues was recurred experience throughout the New Testament. From, from the, throughout that book of Acts and right on through the New Testament, we see every time somebody, when God poured His Spirit upon someone, they spoke in another tongue. God used the tongue, the unruly vessel, tonight. He used that unruly vessel to be the evidence of His Spirit coming inside of us. This outpouring all began in the upper room. It began in this prayer meeting. But it didn't stay in the walls of that building. It quickly moved out to where the multitude of people was gathered. As I said earlier, there was a feast going on outside. Here they were praying in the upper room, but there was a feast going on on the outside. And the Holy Ghost moved upon them and in that room. And they saw this miraculous happen. And the Holy Ghost poured out His Spirit upon them. But just a, few, just a, just a short amount of time, we find them on the outside of the building. God pouring His Spirit out upon the ones there. And in, in my mind, as I, like I say, as I grew up around the church and I grew up around the little white building over here and some of the ones older saints around here may remember this. Is, but I remember this. And this is kind of my, my influence when the Holy Ghost started, used to start moving in that building. That little small building. When it was full, right before they was building this building. It'd get so full and the Holy Ghost would get it moving, there wouldn't be enough room for everybody to be shouting. There wouldn't be enough room inside that building for everybody to be worshiping. And so some of the men would go out the side door and go around the building and, and run around the building in the yard and be worshiping in the, in, the, in, the, in the yard in the parking lot. And so in my mind, that's kind of what I think about when I think about the, the upper room and when the God poured His Spirit out on the day of Pentecost. I feel like, the, the, just like it did in that little white building sometimes, when, when the Holy Ghost got to moving and there wasn't enough room for everybody to be shouting, somebody had to go outside. And I feel like that's what happened in this upper room. I feel like when the Holy Ghost started pouring out upon them and they went to worship and they got on the outside of that building and that, that influence got on someone else. The outpouring, it all began in the upper room but it quickly moved to the outside. We need to allow the Holy Ghost to get us out outside of the walls of this building. We need to get it to the outside to the people who is, God has called us to share this with. So many times it's so easy to when we feel, come to the church, we feel the Holy Ghost, we feel we, we get a refreshing, and we, we come here to, to get that refreshing. But we walk out them doors and we leave the Holy Ghost here. We need to carry that Holy Ghost on the outside of the building. 
where it can affect the people that God has called us to affect. God, pour, God didn't pour His Spirit out in the upper room for it just to affect the few that was in that building. Just the few that was in that room. Same today. He didn't fill us with His Spirit for us to sit in this building and just worship Him in this building or any other building at the campgrounds or anywhere else. He, he, he filled us with the Holy Ghost so that we could keep it and we could move and share it with other others in life. Tonight is I'm going to go through Acts few verses through Acts, and if you, if you have your book open to Acts chapter 2, I'm going to touch through, throughout the book of Acts, uh, uh, through the second chapter of Acts, not the whole chapter, I'm not going to be here that long, but Acts chapter 2 and verse 12, I'm gonna, and I'm going to skip around, let's go through it, I'm not going to read every verse, so Acts chapter 2 and verse 12, the Bible says, and they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one another, what meaneth this? Verse 13 says, Others mocked, said, These men are full of new wine. While some of these onlookers were amazed about what was going on, could you imagine? They have never seen this before. They were amazed. Some doubted what was going on. Some questioned, Are these guys, are this, is this really real? Or this really, is this really happening? And even some mocked them going, what was happening. But I'm here today to tell you there was, they was some, some, some that believed. There were some that got caught on to the, the vision. There were some that caught on to what was going on. And that is the same today. The work of the Holy Ghost results is similar to in response today. When someone experiences a Pentecostal apostolic service, when they experience something, the Holy Ghost being poured out, there's always the doubters. Is there something real about that? There's people that question and say, well, are they just putting on a show or are they just doing that for entertainment? And then there's the doubters and the mockers. But I'm here today to tell you there's, there's somebody that's going to be here. God has brought us to, to that's going to believe what's going on. And we will affect them. So I come to this today to, to get to the point right here tonight where I want to talk about Peter's sermon. That's the powerful thing that happened on the day of Pentecost besides the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Peter preached the first apostolic Pentecostal message. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 14, I'm going to read two scriptures. The Bible says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judah, Judea, and all ye that dwelleth in Jerusalem, be it known, this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. Can we notice today what, what group of people that I talked about earlier that Peter addressed it first. Addressed first. You know, I talked about the ones that questioned, the doubters, the believers. Peter addressed the ones that was mocking the Holy Ghost first. That gives us a little, a little glimpse into to where Peter's at. Peter was a type of guy that was out there and out front. He was going to take on the Take on the one that figured probably would cause the most trouble. That's who Peter was. You know, we said, we, we, when we read the scripture, and so many times I've had people ask me, said, why did Peter be the one that stood up? Who called Peter to, to be the spokesperson? Tonight as I was studying in this, for this blessing, I had never really thought about that. I've heard people question that. But Matthew 16 and 18 gives us who, who gave Peter the authority. 
He says in verse 18, he says, And I say unto thee, talking about Jesus, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So Jesus gave, gave Peter the authority to stand up on the day of Pentecost. He's the one who gave him the, the authority. And Peter was, was willing to take that authority. We know Peter, the life of Peter, if you study the much life of Peter, listen, read much about Peter. Peter was the first one to speak up. He was the first one to draw his sword. He was the first one to ready for a fight. But also Peter was the first one to take on whatever he needed to for God. So here we Peter. Peter goes on in Acts 2 and 16. Says, but he's, Peter goes, he goes on to say, he says, But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Verse 18 says, and, and on my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Peter was quoting from Joel chapter 2, verse 28. He was, he was quoting the prophet Joel. He was quoting what he had prophesied. What Peter was acknowledging was, this is that that Joel prophesied. What you are seeing, he says, what are your, he, he acknowledged, what are your, that to the ones that was present, that, that you're witnessing the outpouring of God's Spirit. Just like, just like Joel had prophesied. He said he would prophesy, he would pour out his Spirit upon all flesh. Not just the men. And that day, it was just not just to the, the leaders of that day. He said he'd pour his Spirit upon all flesh. On male, female, young, old all races, whatever. You know, he said, I'll pour it out on all flesh. And so, so, so what Peter was telling them is, you know, so, 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 so many of them was wanting to judge what God was doing, what was going on. They were seeing things happen, and they were seeing, probably seeing people throughout the New Testament. We find where some question that God poured his spirit out upon certain races of people. Because they didn't want them to receive the Holy Ghost. They didn't want them to receive what they got. They didn't want them to experience you know, that because, because of different things in life. But Peter said, God promised he would pour his spirit upon all flesh. And that is what he was doing. Acts 2 and 36 says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Jesus is both Lord and Christ. He's divine and he is human. He's fully God and he's fully flesh. He, he was all man and he was all God. As a man, he wept when Lazarus died. And as God, he called Lazarus out of the tomb. He was the anointed one and he was the glory of God. So to here's you know we, we look at Jesus we look who Jesus is and that's what Peter was telling them who who the who Jesus was he says he is all God and he is all man as John says it in John one he says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God 
And the same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him, and without him not, was not anything made that was made. Verse 4 says, In him was life, and life was in the light of men. Verse 5 says, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Verse 14 says, And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, and the glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Deuteronomy 6 and 4 goes on to say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Here, that's what Peter was saying. He, was saying he, was, he, was, he didn't quote all these scriptures, but that's what he was telling them. Is this Jesus that you crucified, this Jesus you crucified was God in flesh. He was the judge that's supposed to come. He was the, he was the ruler, the king that was supposed to come. Peter declared the incarnation was revealed in Jesus Christ to a crowd that even included some of that had taken part in the crucifixion just a few months earlier. Here he was standing in front of the crowd. And I feel like God knew Peter had the boldness. You know, here we know Peter denied him three times at the cross. And he said, well, what changed about Peter? Yeah, he was bold during times in his life. But what gave him the boldness to stand before the ones that actually crucified him? Probably some of the ones that he denied Jesus in front of. Now he's bold enough to say, the one that, you, one that you crucified is Jesus. He is the God in flesh. He preached the word, but the boldness was that he had to have received the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost was inside of him, and that's what gave him the, the courage, gave him the boldness to stand up in front of the same very ones that crucified Jesus. And Acts 2, after this happened, after he said this message in verse 36, verse 37, the preaching of truth generates conviction of sin. And that's what happened in verse, 30, verse 37. We know that when he preached truth, the same today, when you preach truth, it doesn't matter. When you preach truth, when you preach truth, it generates conviction of sin. If you have sin in your life and you open the word of God and you start seeing truth preached in front of you, to you, you're going to feel conviction in your life. And so it doesn't matter from the very front of this Bible to the very back of this Bible. It's all truth. You know, in Acts 8, Philip was preaching to the, or was, came across the Ethiopian eunuch. And the Bible says he was reading in the Bible. And the Bible, he says, said Philip reached up, got, in the, got into the chariot with, with the eunuch. And he just opened the Bible up to right where he was at. And the Bible says he preached Jesus. He preached Jesus. And I could, today, I'm just here today to tell you, if, if he had opened up, if he had been in the Old Testament or if he had been in the New Testament, it didn't matter where he was at, you preached Jesus. Because from the very first, the front cover to the back cover, this is Jesus. And so it's just as powerful from the Genesis 1 into the very last verse in the Bible. It's just as powerful. The name of Jesus comes forth in every, every verse. And every verse is powerful. Just like the ones under the sound of Peter's voice, we don't have to be at, have been at the crucifixion to feel the condemnation upon the sin has in our life. You know, we don't have to be, had to been at the crucifixion. Some of these people that he was preaching to, had, was at the crucifixion. 
Some of these people probably wasn't at the crucifixion. But they all, every one of them felt conviction. When truth comes forth in our life, when light and darkness does not mix. When the light, light comes on, sin has to leave. And so that happens in our, and it happens in the darkness of our room. If we open the door, what happens? Critters go to, fly, go to scattering. So the same thing happens in our life when the light of truth gets turned on in our life. Sin has to move. There's, we cannot be comfortable anymore when we stand in the light of the truth of, of God. The natural response was, all, is, 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 was then and always is, what shall we do? When you feel convicted, when you feel conviction in your life, the next step is what shall you do? What shall we do? In simple terms, Peter outlined the hope of the gospel message in his response to their faith and to their conviction of sin. Because they had faith in who Jesus was. Because they had seen the evidence of what God was doing in their life. They seen the evidence of what God, how God was pouring his spirit out upon them. And he would see where he was, what he was doing in their life. He, they probably remember some of the, the times when they saw him heal the sick. And they probably started putting the dots together in life, you know, and they started having faith. They had faith for him to heal the sick. Because there was multitudes following him. You know, it's, it's easy sometimes to see how the multitudes change tunes in life. One minute they're, they're chanting his name. They're laying palm trees in front of him to come into the city. They're, where did their faith go? But sometimes, you know, something happens in life, you know, but now we see after the day of Pentecost, we see their faith built back up because they see that he, what he promised that he come forth with. And so today is, so anything, when we see someone's life being changed or we see someone healed from some sickness or we see something like that that builds our faith, it builds our faith. But then he, 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 the, then he responded to their conviction of sin. And he says in Acts 2 and verse 38, we all can quote this scripture. He said, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So in life, you know, the thing is this steps, and I know when I'm here tonight, I'm talking to the choir. But we know that the, the, these steps is, is, you know, we look at them as steps so many times. You know, so we got to repent, you got to be baptized, and then you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But these is not just steps that you can do one on their own. These steps is all together. This is a package deal. You can't just repent. You repent of your sins. But for salvation, you've got to have, be baptized in his name. And then you have to receive, his, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. And so if, you, if you're going to be saved, I mean, I've heard so many times people repented of their sins. Or they've been baptized in the water. But if they don't ever receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, they don't ever speak in other tongues with evidence. Their life is not truly changed. I've seen so many people, and I feel like so many times, so many people get to that point. They feel God. They feel God. They feel His forgiveness. 
I've had so many men when I've baptized them, or men and ladies both, when you baptize them, they come up out of the water, they say, well, wow, I feel so clean. Because their sins has been washed away. But if we're not careful, that's where people stop. That's where people stop. Because, yeah, they feel good. They feel that, that, that forgiveness. They feel that washing of the way of their sin. But they need to go that one more step further forward. They need to see of that, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it is a gift. You don't have to work for it. It's just a gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 39 says, For this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. This, this gift is, is for everyone. And so when we visit Pentecost, we look at this life and we look at this story where God, He, he did what He said He did in, on the day of Pentecost and He poured His Spirit out. And then throughout the book of Acts, we see where He continually, it didn't just happen one time. It had it multiple, multiple times throughout the book of Acts, out throughout the book of the New Testament, the rest of the New Testament, we see where God has poured His Spirit out. And this promise is into all of not just to the ones in the Bible. This Bible, this promise is into everyone on the sound of my voice. And so today, as, as, as we look at this life and we look, at, look back at Pentecost, you know, we look at this in life, you know, we, sometimes we, we, we've, we've heard this story and we've heard this message so many times. But after a while, as Christians, you know, we, we, we preach this message and we say, well, you need to repent, you need to be baptized, you need to get the Holy Ghost to, to people, to newcomers or, you know, to new converts. And, but so many times in life, we've been around church for a while. And that's where I feel like tonight, that's why I feel like God has really wanted me to revisit this in my life. It's because so many times in life, yeah, I know you need to repent. I know you need to be baptized in Jesus' name and need to receive the Holy Ghost. But sometimes in life, you know, when we get on down the road of life, and if it's not careful, sometimes we forget what God really did for us. You know, we think about, you know, well, God, He He did, He forgave my sins back then, and He forgives my sins every day because I'm not like everybody. I mean, if somebody else is like me tonight, I'm just putting everybody in the book tonight, but. I know I have to repent every day. I'm not saying that I sin like I used to. I do the same old things I used to. But there's times in my life that I have to repent every day. But in life, you know, we find ourselves sometimes taking it for granted. We get up. We come to church. You know, when we was new converts, I can remember as a child, the first time I got the Holy Ghost, and then when I would pray back through when I was 18, 19 years old, I remember that refreshing, and, and I was just like on fire, you know, and how a new convert is. And, but after a while, you know, we, we, we kind of allow that fire to burn out in, in our life. And so sometimes in our life, you know, I feel like we need to, as a body of church, we need to revisit Pentecost. Whatever Pentecost is, is to you today. Every person here that's ever received the Holy Ghost in this church probably can remember what it felt like. You know, it's that feeling we feel. So sometimes in life, you know, we, need, we don't need to allow that fire to go out in our life. Because if we're not careful, the cares of this world will extinguish the fires that's burning inside of us. The things of this world so, many, so, it's, it's so easily creeps into our life. 
And so we have to go back to that. And so sometimes in life, you know, no, I can't go back to right over here I was, when I was 13 years old, the first time I received the Holy Ghost. And then right over here by this door when I was 19 years old. Yeah, I can stand in that same place. But well, I need to go back to that, that, that sincerity I had. Striving for what I felt like. When I was seeking for that Holy Ghost. And sometimes in life, when we feel that, like that fire is burnt out a little bit in our life and we feel like we're getting a little cold, I think we need to get back on, we need to kindle that fire. And so to, to do that today, we may have to go back to our Pentecost. We may have to go back to our, the time when we feel like God has moved in our life. You know, I've heard, I've seen many people go to, go to Israel and I've seen many people go to Jerusalem and they go, went, went to the upper room. And they prayed in the upper room. And they like, well, they felt God there. And I'm not saying he wasn't there because, like I said earlier, when you show up in his name, he shows up wherever you're at. But I don't, we don't have to go back to the upper room to experience Pentecost, to experience the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We just got to get like the group that was in the upper room. We got to get that hunger. We got to get that drive to go whatever it takes to get that fire kindled in our life. As a church, I feel like we need to go a little bit deeper in Pentecost. We need to reach for that little more, more of a fire in our life. So tonight, as I begin to close, I ask us tonight, how long has it been since you've been to Pentecost? How long has it been since you prayed? Prayed through. How long has it been since you allowed God to pour His Spirit out upon you? How long has it been since you've got lost in the Holy Ghost? As we stand across here today, if you're on the sound of my voice today, as the musicians come, I open the altars tonight. If you want to come to the altar and pray tonight, or if you want to make an altar where you stand tonight, I ask us tonight, let's revisit Pentecost. Let's revisit and allow God to pour His Spirit out upon us tonight. Let's, let's, just, let's just step into this one more time and allow God to move upon us tonight. I know it's prayer meeting tonight, and I know you, you know, and I've not been shouting and screaming, and I know I've just been sharing God's Word. But God's Word is just as powerful. And He wants us, let us fall in love and let's pray right now that God will pour His Spirit out a fresh anointing on us today. Let us worship and let's pray right now. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.